Welcome to Your Right to Speak, discussions on social justice and advocacy. This is episode 75, and you're listening to your Rising Youth Podcast Edition. I'm your host, Salvatore. On today's episode, we'll be talking with Liliana. Liliana is a successful grant recipient from the Rising Youth Grant, and her project entails making tote bags and reusable snack bags and donating them to a local shelter in Vancouver near the downtown east side. For listeners who know me well, know that I love grassroots projects, especially when it's youth leading them to address a community need. So I'm very excited to have Liliana on the show today. Welcome, Liliana. Would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Liliana. Um, I'm in grade 12 and I live in Vancouver. Welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you here. Thank you. I'm excited to be here too. So we're just going to do your right to speak fashion and just dive into the questions and we'll see where this journey takes us. Um, So I think the first question I have for you is, can you tell a little bit about who you are and a little bit about what you're doing now and a little bit about your project? A bit about my project. I sewed tote bags and reusable snack bags and then they were donated to the local shelter in Vancouver's downtown east side. And the bags went to the women's program there. I'm currently part of several youth-led organizations. And at school, I work with newcomer students to facilitate programs such as peer tutoring. That is so cool. What other organizations are you a part of? I'm, I'm a part of Future Forward Tutoring. So I tutor elementary school students. And then I'm also part of EM Girls Vancouver, which helps girls get into the business sector. Oh, that's so cool. I'm very curious, what sparked this idea of making tote bags and reusable snack bags and giving them to the Union Gospel Mission Shelter? Well, um, my sister and I sewed masks to donate during lockdown and we donated them to the same shelter. And then that was when I realized how easy it is to be a contributing member of society and sort of use my privilege to help other people. So the pandemic helped me to see the vast differences in quality of life and experiences among people in Vancouver. And then after lockdown, I still wanted to be involved in that sort of work. So uh, I just want to go back a little bit to the original idea with the project with the masks. What made you think of, I guess, putting masks together? There was a shortage of personal protective equipment earlier on in the pandemic. And then once restrictions started easing, then it was easier to see like the differences of the people who could get masks or people who couldn't afford to buy all this extra stuff because of the pandemic and also because of a lot of people being let out of their jobs. So um, we decided to sew masks to donate. And there were a lot of mask patterns available on the internet because there was a great demand for that. So it made it pretty easy to do that. Nice. And then, so where did the tote bags come into it? Our original grant idea was to sew masks, but then as the pandemic went on, like there was less of a need for fabric masks and people wanted to use um, disposable masks because they were better. So we changed our grant idea to do tote bags because that shelter, Union Gospel Mission, also has like addiction recovery programs and women and family programs. So tote bags and reusable snack bags are something they could use there. 
I think that's a great idea. I work at a youth shelter in Toronto, and I'm a big fan of tote bags and reusable snack bags. Did you fill them up with anything as well? We just made the tote bags, but they were like double-sided, so you could flip it inside out, and then you could have two patterns depending on which side you like the bit. Oh, what a cool idea. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> um. So, you know, it sounds like you're very involved in community and addressing community needs. Do you foresee anything in the future of what else you could be doing with this project to address other needs? Yeah, so right now I'm a bit busy with scholarships and university applications and stuff, but later on I, I really want to start another project with the newcomer students at my high school. I've done several things with them, but I think that's like a really good way to help them get involved in community, especially because a lot of them don't know English. So I think that's one of the things I'm going to do next. We got off topic a little bit, but bringing (laughs) it back to the project, uh, how much time went into this project and how many people did you work with? I would say the project took maybe over 100 hours. I worked with my mom and my sister since I couldn't really work with other people due to the pandemic, but... There was a lot of measuring work in the beginning to make sure that we used all the fabric. I think the hours for this one was a bit more, though. Yeah, I guess so, because tote bags are a little bit bigger, aren't they? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I'm just curious of, like, you know, was this, do you have, like, a sewing machine at home? Was this all done by hand? How did, because it sounds like you had to make a lot of tote bags and masks, so... Did you have to get any other equipment, anything like that? Um, well, we mostly used the grant money for fabric because I already I bought a sewing machine earlier on in the pandemic to sew the mask. So I had a sewing machine and my sister and my mom mostly did like the cutting. That's really cool that it ended up becoming a uh, family event. <laughs> Were you able to uh, get an opportunity to connect with the people you were donating the bags to? And if you did, what was this impact? Well, unfortunately, due to the pandemic, rules were stricter and the shelter didn't want to risk any infection. So I didn't get to connect with any of the people, but I really would have wanted to because hearing some of their stories would have been really, really interesting. Yeah, the, that's true. It's the same COVID <laughs> protocols at uh, at my shelter as well. Mm. Did you talk with any of the staff there? Yeah, so I mostly emailed, like, the person who's in charge of the family program. Mm-hmm. And then when I got there, I sort of just dropped it off because COVID. You couldn't go in. <laughs> yeah. Between, you know, doing the masks and the tote bags, do you have any, you know, memorable memories on working on this project? Yeah, I I think, like, doing the projects really created a lot of, like, family bonding because we work together a lot. But I think one of the most, the things I remember the most is at the end, because throughout the project, I didn't really realize how much and how many bags we were making, but... Once we put them all together, there was like a definite wow factor because it looked like so much more than it felt like we had been doing. And I thought that was really inspiring. That's really cool. 
you know, I was just thinking about the reusable snap bags. So, you know, in my mind, I can visualize what a tote bag is. Can you explain to the audience what a reusable snap bag is and what type of fabrics you use for that? We use mostly cotton fabrics because um, you can wash it easier. And then the reusable snack bags, they were made of two fabrics. So there's the outside fabric and the inside fabric. And then there's a fold over top. So you unfold the top to get at the inside of the bag. So that would help keep the food inside or any other things you want to store in there. Okay, so really, you know, it's meant to put any type of food item in there and it would be okay to use after. Yeah. Did they have to be like washed or like, I mean, like put in the wash machine or anything like that? No, um, you, you can hand wash it. It's because they're cotton, it's easier to wash. Mm. And there's like no special treatment you need to use to clean them. That's a really cool idea. I'd, I'd love it. I know that you ended up using every bit of fabric that you could uh, to limit the waste, which I think is so, so important for the environment. How did you go about doing this? And why was it important for you to use every bit of fabric? Well, my sister's engineer of the family, so she devised a clever plan that modified one of the tote bag patterns that we found online. And then the modified pattern allowed us to use the most amount of fabric with the least amount of waste and make the bags bigger. This was really important to us because we wanted to have as little of an environmental footprint as possible, especially because of the pandemic. There was a lot more medical waste and we didn't want to contribute to that. I think that's so great. So Liliana, I do have another question because I know you're so involved in, you know, community service and I think it's such a a great thing to do. I'm very curious and interested to know, you know, what made you get involved so much in doing community service? I think I wanted to get involved mostly after the pandemic because it really changed my worldview. And then I realized like how, how the quality of life really differs even in Vancouver and that because I'm so privileged, I have an opportunity to change this. So That's why I'm involved in community service, even at my school. So I would love for us to dig deeper. Our listeners may not know, because they live in different parts of the country, of how the quality of life is different in Vancouver. So I was wondering if you can explain a little bit of what you mean by that and how the quality of life is different. Yeah, so there's a diverse population in Vancouver because a lot of people want to move here. So there's rather richer areas, I would say, such as like Shaughnessy. And then there's also the downtown east side, which is notorious across Canada because of the opioid crisis. And there's a lot of poverty there. So there's a lot of homeless people there too. So just seeing like the differences between the people who live in the downtown east side and like the poor living conditions they have to live through. And then if you walk over to say Shaughnessy again, then you see like really big mansions and stuff and you just see how there's so much difference in the way people live. So it really sounds like, and I'm trying to just visualize this in my head that, you know, on one side of town, for example, there's the majority of, you know, low income individuals. Mm -hmm. And then on the other side or the track, 
there's the rich people who are living in these great big houses. Is, am I visualizing that correctly? Yes. You know, it very much reminds me. Um, so in LA, there is a part of LA called Skid Row. Have you heard of that before? I don't think so. So what Skid Row is in LA is this, you know, one street, I believe, if I'm remembering correctly, and it's all these people and all these businesses there. And, you know, it tends to be a very dangerous part in LA because, There's a lot of mental health that doesn't get addressed. There's a lot of drug use, a lot of gang violence, you know, all these unfortunate things because the supports are not in place. And that's what I'm kind of visualizing for Eastside Vancouver is, you know, the society, it sounds like, has kind of placed them in one area because we're kind of hiding them. I would just say, like, encouraging all listeners to apply for a grant because it's a really easy process and you can have so much impact on your community. A good segue into my next question for you. Can you uh, explain to the listeners what the Rising Youth Grant process is? Yeah, so it's, it's really simple actually. There's a moderately long form that you supply your basic information, contact information, details of your project idea, and then also the contact information of a supervisor or referee. And it, it doesn't take that much time. You just have to have a well thought out project proposal. So it sounds, you know, everyone that I've ever talked to about this grant says the same thing you've just said. It's relatively easy. Um, what uh, would you say to youth who are thinking about about applying to this grant beyond that it's just an easy process? Um, I would say to discuss your idea with other friends and then have a good plan of how you're gonna proceed with the project because that's, I think the most important section of applying for the grant. And if you have a good project idea, you're probably gonna get it. So your idea needs to be clear and then you also need like a supervisor. Nice, that's great advice. So we're going to switch gears again, because I often do this on the show. (laughs) We talked a little bit about, you know, what's next for you. I know you're part of two other youth-led organizations, and I'm kind of curious. You had mentioned that in the future, you would want to work with newcomer students from your school. Is that right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, the... You probably don't have a concrete plan, but I'm just curious of um, what you're thinking of doing to support these students. During the pandemic, my sister and I did a mask making program for them, and then the masks were donated to Union Gospel Mission. But then we also started um, Homework Help, which is like a peer tutoring service for them. I know there isn't that much left in my grade 12 year, but I think I might, I might start a project plan and then my sister could facilitate it in the fall oh cool so when you're entering post-secondary is this something that you still want to continue to do and go back to your high school and support newcomer students as well yeah definitely i think it does depend on which university i attend though because it has to be nearby in order for me to do that fair enough (laughs) So your other two youth-led organizations, can you tell the listeners how you got involved and 
what these other two youth-led organizations do? EM Girls Vancouver is actually a chapter of EM Girls, which is based off in Toronto. And I got involved because one of my best friends was starting the chapter and she asked me if I wanted to be one of the members of the executive team. So that's how I got involved. And what EM Girls Vancouver does is we do a mentorship program and an internship program and then just help girls think about like their dreams in the business sector and help them to get involved there. And the other organization I'm part of is Future Forward Tutoring. I think they rebranded to EDU Trophy, but it's a tutoring organization where I tutor elementary school students once a week in science. And I'm interested in that because that lines up with my career goals. Oh, what are your career goals? (laughs) I'd like to be an elementary school teacher. That's so awesome. It sounds like Project very much aligns (laughs) with that career (laughs) goal. (laughs) Because really, you know, it's something that I think often in the business world, you know, it's often like a man's world, right? And Mm -hmm. to have female identified, you know, a project to support them in entering the business world, I think is so, so important because, you know, often, you know, we still talk about that glass ceiling is still there. Can you tell me a little bit more about that project? You know, what are some of the things that you would do with, you know, female identified folks wanting to enter the business world? EM Girls Vancouver is, does a mentorship program. And then we also do an internship program. And the mentorship program is already running this year. And we have mentors from UBC, SFU, BCIT, and then they meet with their mentees and they just, the mentees can ask them questions or we have prompts that they can talk about. And it just helps girls to know a bit more about university programs, about business, and just get advice from an older person. And then the internship program is open to all girls in high school. And then they intern with EM Girls Vancouver and then we show them around our organization and it's also a really good stepping stone for them to be involved in, a, in an executive team role in the future. That sounds so amazing. Now I have a question that I ask all my guests and it's become <laughs> a right to speak uh, trademark question, I guess. It really, well, I'm just gonna ask it. What does advocacy mean to you? I think advocacy is using my privilege and recognizing that I have privilege in society and then using it to help people because as someone who has come from a stable family and I live in Vancouver and I feel like those are both things that make me very privileged compared to other people around the world. So recognizing that and using that to help people is something that I want to do for advocacy. Well, thank you for being a guest. It's been a lovely conversation, and I know you're going to be a great teacher in the future. Thank you. Thank you for having me here today. You're welcome. Thank you again for being on the show. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Rising Youth Podcast. For more information about the program we provide or to start your own project, please visit risingyouth.ca.